Welcome to Unabashed You, conversations to become who you already are. The focus at UY is to be who you are without apology, for you are one of a kind, without equal. Be encouraged as these conversations will help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way. Your companion to the whimsy and beauty of the human spirit, Rochelle Condi now. This conversation left me struggling for words at times to express and share the magnitude of impact the story has had on me for some years now. I even wrote about it in the blog post, The Power of Forgiveness, Episode 74. And now, the chance to speak with Tazreen Kamisa, this week's by request guest, who heads the foundation that honors her brother, who is no longer here. I became acquainted with Tazreen through supporting the foundation her family started, TKF. I invited her a while back, and we finally have synced our calendars to make this conversation work. Welcome to the show, Tazreen. Did you hear me say welcome? Sorry. That's like, okay. My my thing clicked out. So can uh, you still hear me? Okay. I still can hear you, yes. Okay, good. Okay. So I just welcomed you to the show. I said that we were finally able to connect our, our calendars and get uh, and, and get a date and a time. And I'm so excited. Yes, I'm excited to be here. So thank Good. you for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. It really is. And you have a beautiful smile, truly beautiful smile. Is there anything you want the listeners to know about you as we get started here? Um, you know, I'm a mom of three kids, oh. first and foremost. <laughs> um, so they're like um, a huge part of like who I am. Um, yes. Yeah. And, you know, I just um, have always been like really rooted in serving um, since I was little, you know, Beautiful. it's been a big part of my life. And so I think that's, um, I know my purpose is to serve. And I think Serving young people has always been um, something that has, I've been super passionate for. Mm. And now having my own kids, I think it just <laughs> gives it new meaning, you know. Right. And then seeing the other people that pour into your kids through you know, your community, your family, your community, your friends, school, whatever. I mean, it, it's it's just such a valuable thing. You realize it really does take, you know, the village or the community to really raise up up your kids in a really great way. It does. Absolutely. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Okay. So I thought about this. <laughs> um, so I put compassionate because oh. I feel like I, I try to lead with compassion every day. Like that's yes. something I do. Um, I put understanding. Oh. I think that um, it's important, especially at this time um, in our country, even more so that we learn to be understanding. Um, and I put spiritual because I think I really mm. I'm really rooted in, you know, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. And I like Ooh. to live. I like to live with that lens because um, I just I believe everything happens for a reason. And we're here for growth um, and we we grow different ways. But if we have a spiritual lens, I feel like we're more, more open to both sorrow and joy because they both teach us oh. different things. That is so true. That is so true. Because you can't really appreciate the joy and the good stuff unless you've, I mean, it feels really good in the moment, but 
if you've also had the heartbreak and the grief and the devastation, it's even sweeter. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that you have to have both. They go hand in hand. And yeah, they, yeah I, absolutely. Well, and that's and, how this life works, right? We, we have both. Yeah, we have both. That's it. Um, I'm, my dad gave me The Prophet by Khalil Gibran when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole passage on there around joy and sorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when you have joy, shadow isn't, you know, sorrow is in the shadow and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so we always have to remember, remember that, you know, um, everything changes, nothing's permanent. You know, we will move through things, um, but we can't appreciate joy without sorrow. Um, and we can't appreciate sorrow without joy because Ugh. they both teach us so many things. And I think just that one lesson as a young girl, 18, um, <laughs> put me through a lot of, helped me through a lot of nights. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Gosh, that what a gift. That is a great gift to give. All right, we're going to do two truths and a lie. So you say three things about yourself. I okay. will try to guess. Okay, so... Um, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> I am scared of height. Um, and Swahili was my first language. Okay. Extrovert, scared of height. Swahili is the first language. Okay. I'm going to, I, I talk my process. So you don't have to say anything for just a moment. Okay. Scared of heights. I mean, who isn't in a way, I know there are people that aren't, I'm going to put that aside as being true. Swahili, I think that could be true. I'm going to say, I'm just going to take a wild guess that you're naturally an introvert. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And, you know, I'm actually an introvert too, although you would not necessarily know that about me either. That doesn't mean we're not, you know, friendly and warm and all those things. It just means, not just, it means that we need time alone and away from the, 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 the busyness of life to recharge. We don't recharge through, you know, the people and the stuff and all that, that actually kind of takes a little bit away. Even, even if it's the most fun you ever had, it still kind of takes away our energy. Do you agree with that too? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, said one not- introvert to the other. Right? I, I agree with all of that. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't recharge around other people. And I think my job is so external that I almost have to cocoon more sometimes, <laughs> yeah, you know, to like <laughs> have to go back to it on, sometimes I'll go a whole weekend without even like hearing my own voice, you know? <laughs> oh. just, um, yeah, I need that, that downtime and that quiet time. So Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you are afraid of heights, which seems very natural to me. And then Swahili was your first language. Yeah, I was born in Nairobi, Kenya. So, wow. um, and I had a, we called them ayahs, but they're like nannies. Yeah. Um, that took a lot of care of me when I was born. And so, yeah, my first words were in Swahili. That is so cool. Yeah. Do you still like uh, know it or recognize it at all? Some of the simple words like Lala is sleep. And of course, Jumbo, we all know because of the Lion King, I guess, right. you know, um, but like some of the simple words, um, I still remember. Oh, gosh, yeah. that's so precious. What a great, uh, what a great beginning. I love that. All right. Your favorite movie of all time. 
Well, it's an Indian movie. So sure. I, I did I did an Indian movie and then and I did an English movie. So I okay. think um so Devdas is an Indian movie that is been around for a long time, but it's just a tragic love story. But I, <laughs> I love it. It's like a three hour, you know, <laughs> typical Indian movie. Um and then I think it was hard for me to pick an English movie, but I think then I always go back to the notebook. I think the notebook oh. is my most like I've watched it so many times. <laughs> I can watch it like over and over again. So um yeah. Well those sound kind of parallel because they I both I haven't seen the first one, but they both I mean they both seem to me to be by even your description, romantic love, love stories, and then with some, you know, unbelievable sadness woven in is kind of what that sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. I haven't seen the notebook in a long time, so I'm going to have to revisit. Name (laughs) a person that inspires you. You know, I I put down both my grandmothers. Um, Oh, nice. They both have inspired me in so many ways, but mm. definitely in what's important in life. I think my dad's mom, who I called Mama, she always was rooted in service, and so she really instilled in me that true service um, is really the the left hand has no idea what the right hand is doing. Uh. And so, you know, to always when you serve, do it um, unconditionally and without mm. expectation oh. of anything in return. Um, and she instilled that in me at a young age and she role modeled that her entire life. You know, both my grandmothers have passed and my mom's mom just instilled in me the importance of family first. Mm. Um, and sometimes we do all these things outside of our family, um, externally, but we don't see, we don't do the same things like within our family. Mm. And she always instilled in me, you know, family first and the importance of family and showing up for family, um, and being a support to your, your, your loved ones and your family. And I think those are two things I've really taken with me as, as I grew up and as an adult. And, um, they really truly are my, my role models for sure. Well, and we don't even, I mean, this is the first time we have spoken on the phone before briefly. Uh, this was like last year, but this is the first time where we were really having an in real life conversation. And I will say that as little as I know about you, I am absolutely convinced that both of those things come from you. I can feel that family is first. I can feel that you are about service and obviously the work you're doing, and we'll get into that it really exemplifies both of those areas that your, your grandmas gave to you. So you called one mama and what did you call the other one? Um, Nanima. Nanima. So, yeah. Nanima, which means older mother. Um, so yeah, That's my mama so... and my Nanima. So they definitely were my true, I think, role models. and Beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. really beautiful. I, I like the the nod to, you know, two generations, you know, skipping your parents. And obviously your parents had impact on you as well. But then, you know, that next generation up, that's really, really lovely. All right. And a nugget of wisdom you keep handy. You've already given us a lot. My gosh. <laughs> so I'm a big Louise L. Hay fan. Okay. Um, and so, um, there's this affirmation that I just keep everywhere that I always say, and it's 
you know, all is well, everything works, everything is working out for my highest good. So that's, you know, I kind of try to stay grounded in that. I think just even the all is well, um, you know, I think when life gets hard or you're going through challenges, um, you know, I, I truly believe like um, what we feed grows. So when we are going through challenges, if we can stay (sighs) in that all is well, everything is working out for my highest good. um, That's what we grow, you know, and sometimes it's really natural to go into like a lot of negativity or self-doubt, self-worth, helplessness. And so if we give energy to that and we feed that, that's that's what's going to grow. And I think Mm. affirmations are so powerful to like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, our words and thoughts are so important. And um, a lot of us, I think, have to train our brains to rethink that way, because it's easier to go into the negative and spiral into negative. And I am a completely guilty of that. So I gotta write. I gotta write it. Oh my yeah. God. Like the posty notes and stuff. You know. Yeah, reminders. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Everything you're saying. I, I'm nodding. I'm. I'm tearing up. I'm. My heart is swelling. I mean, yes. Obviously, kindred spirits here. And uh, you know, just occurs to me. Have you ever considered writing a book? I mean, you've got all these great pieces of wisdom to share. So beautiful. I leave that to my author of the father. Yes. Five books. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. He's offered, he's authored five. I've, I have three and I've, I've read the first one, which was just mm, mm, mm. so incredible. All right. Let's take uh, the deep dive, which is sharing your passion. And that's typically what you might be sharing on social media or maybe, you know, what you're doing work-wise. You know, I'd love to have a conversation about that. You You want to get the ball rolling or (laughs) if you give me a topic, then I can kind of, I can help. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I, I definitely am super blessed to like, I think be living my purpose every day. Um, Mm. And, and that's really connecting, I think, serving young people. Um, and I think just helping to make this world a, a better place, a more peaceful place for young people to grow up in. And so I think all, all my work is rooted in, in that space. And I get to do it, you know, through the work of TKF and the Thark Kamisa Foundation. And so, um, you know, I lost my brother really tragically 26 years ago to um, gun violence, gang violence. And my father founded the Thara Kamisa Foundation initially just to prevent other families from kind of suffering the way our family had suffered. Mm-hmm. But if you rewind to when my brother was still alive, you know, I majored in sociology with an emphasis in juvenile delinquency. Oh. Um, oh my gosh, I kind of always knew, I think my soul probably always knew that I would be doing this work. I never knew that I would be doing it like in my brother's name. Right. But I think being, um, being a, a young girl in the U S, um, going to schools, being a woman of color, um, was really challenging for me. And I was bullied a lot in school. Oh, so was my gosh. brother. Um, and so I think I, oh, I, mm. I kind of shut down as a child, but you know, it was a teacher that really inspired me to 
um, embrace who I am and embrace my strengths mm. and help me find my voice and find my inner confidence. And that moment for me in middle school, I, I said I was, I was going to do this for other kids one day. I knew oh. I was going to, I wanted to be a youth advocate. I wanted to give a voice to young people that didn't feel like they had a voice. And the criminal justice system, even as a, as a, you know, an 18, 19, 20 year old, um, college student always didn't seem okay to me. Um, yep. And I felt like it was a system that was really failing. And I was really interested in that piece of it within, within sociology. And so I think losing my brother to a 14 year old gang member um, really like dropped me to my knees in so mm. many ways um, for a long time. I was definitely in, in some really dark places, but I think, you know, my father found forgiveness um, and he started the foundation and he reached out to Tony who killed my brother's grandfather and they created this beautiful foundation. And I, I remember three years after the foundation was founded, my father said, don't you want to come and work here? Like, isn't this <laughs> what you've always wanted to do? And I just had to kind of take that first step of um, peeling off that first layer of forgiveness for myself, because I knew holding on to anger, holding on to resentment, staying kind of in a victim space. Um, I, I kind of didn't really want to live life that much anymore without right. my brother. So I had to go through my own process, but I'm so glad I did. You know, in 1998, three years after TKF was founded, I joined the staff and okay. it was the best thing I could have ever done, you know, and I was working and living my purpose, engaging with young people, helping to de develop programs to make sure that um, we help put them on the path of opportunity, the path right. of healing. And so I, I'm blessed that I wake up every day. I, I'm probably too attached to, to the <laughs> Well, it, it makes sense, though. I mean, it's it's a it's a family affair in the sense that you know your dad and Pless. Am I saying his name right? Yeah. Okay, your dad is Azim, and yeah. and Pless Felix is Tony's grandpa. Yes. And I mean, anytime I think of your family's story, I mean, I, I already can feel the tears are, are starting. It, 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 the model, I mean, it, no words I can come up with truly would do it justice, but the model of forgiveness that your dad showed and shared with the, honestly, the rest of the world. I mean, this goes beyond San Diego, really, you know, people know about this all over you know, he likely would never have known he would be in that situation of having to give that level of forgiveness. And yet he was able to do that. And you saw him do that. And you maybe weren't really fully ready because you were sort of process, you know, you had your own timeline. We don't have the same timeline, but I do find it remarkable as does the rest of the world that knows about your story, that your dad arrived at that place pretty early on, pretty early on. I have to say from, from what I know, it is 
astounding his his level of and the word you use compassion for yourself and and then as i pan out of your life and i and i look down at all the pieces and your grandmas and what they left behind for you and then you know your brother and then your majors you know sociology with you know the youth delinquency component you know, this is divine, in my opinion. Do you know what I mean? I mean, this whole, the way the whole, well, it just all kind of like just fit together so well for your life to do this great thing that you had in you from a little girl, but you didn't know how it was going to manifest. Yeah, we don't, we, you hear it all the time that everything happens for a reason. You know, all of our experience shape us. We have to trust time and space. And I think that's the spiritual lens piece, you know, that we have to just understand that I think everything, you know, what I studied in university and what I went through as a child, you know, I also volunteered at my mosque with youth programs Mm. and had to fundraise for some of those programs. And I combined, and then I, I let, you know, I landed in the corporate world after university um, I, w- I wanted to take a year off before I went back to grad school because I remember Tharic, my brother, used to tease me and was like, what are you going to do with an undergrad sociology degree? <laughs> You're going to be a receptionist. You know, that's what he said. And um, <laughs> and I laughed at him and I said, um, well, I was. That that was my first job. Actually, I did. I did end up doing that. Um, and uh, I kind of worked my way up um, at this big kind of um multi-magazine, big corporate firm and ended up becoming a print buyer and all these things. But I think um, my corporate, you know, experience around like business combined with kind of the service piece from my mosque and then with the education piece around sociology was like totally set me up to come work at TKF. Like you don't realize it at the time, but you're like, wow, okay, you know. It's yeah, it, it for me, it's not a coincidence that it, it all the pieces lined up so well. And the fact that you were able to arrive at that place of being open to what was happening, but you had to, you know, you had to work through it, which is totally understandable. And now you, you look like it's a joy for you. I can see it on your face. You, you come to work, you get to do this work in his honor. Let's talk a little bit more about the work. Okay, because not everybody knows what restorative justice is. Can you kind of walk us through that? My, your definition will be way better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the work that, you know, TKF does, um, and then I can kind of tie in the restorative justice piece of it. Um, but what TKF does is we partner with schools to implement educational programs rooted in social emotional learning oh, and restorative so practices and restorative yes. justice. Yes. Um, and we do that through, you know, four different programs. But I think the the restorative piece for TKF is really a mindset. What does it mean to have a restorative mindset? And a restorative mindset is really um, the importance of first, you know, building and thinking about each other as community. You know, mm. restorative goes back to indigenous practices, you know, and we have been integrating it into like, you know, our, our Western society now, but it really goes back around if we are all in community and if someone in our community is hurting, you know, in, in 
in like the criminal justice world, when, when that happens, you push them out of the circle. <laughs> you know, we push them out of the circle. Oftentimes we lock them up, right? Um, and then we release them without any kind of support or repair or healing. Mm-hmm. And we try to throw them back into a circle where others around them are still really mad. Yes. Angry and hurt. And there's like no healing that happens. And so I think with the restorative mindset, the easiest way for me to think about that is like, no, when someone's hurting, there's conflict, there's harm, there's tension or strain, you know, you lean them in closer into the Uh. circle. Um, Maybe you even put them in the middle of the circle um, and you help support them in finding those pieces in them where they can overcome, um, where they can um, gain clarity, where they can connect. I think we call it to their cellular space where you you know where and that's a, a, you know, a term my dad coined, but where right and wrong live and where our lives and where clarity lives. And so, and, and then we do the repair and the healing. So they get integrated back in healthy ways. And so integrating that into school systems has been a really like core, like of our programming, you know, Mm. how do we get, how do we help schools build this culture of community? Um, And how do we see um, behavior um, or poor choices, how do we say, see that as a red flag to really unpack what's really going on? So if we get to the root of what's happening, then how do we provide the tools, the resources, and the support to make sure that that individual is going to be okay, and that we help them heal so they can kind of stay on that path of opportunity mm-hmm. for themselves? You know, so in the criminal justice system, you know, restorative justice is not is is yet helping to heal victim. Um, It's helping to also heal offender. It's also helping. It also is healing community. Right. It's all those pieces. But the biggest piece of that is how do you help support and heal the person that's caused the harm? Yeah. How do you help integrate them back into society and support them on that journey? And I think that's the one thing that our story, the model of our story has been an amazing teaching tool because um, we poured, continue to pour into Tony. We didn't give up on Tony Hicks. He was the first 14 year old in the state of California to be tried as an adult. Um, That was a, that was a decision that, you know, my father was very against. He actually, um, he actually advocated that he at least get parole. And of course, you know, my father's forgiveness for Tony happened very quickly. He met, he met Tony only five years after Sarek was killed. Um, we had staff members and board members continue to support Tony while he was incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And um, because it goes back to, you know, what we feed grows, right? So if we're going to feed anger and resentment and hatred, that's what would grow in Tony. So if we were going to feed forgiveness and compassion and empathy and understanding and second chances, that's what we are going to grow. And for (sighs) me, like for me, it took me longer. You know, I, um, I was at the foundation for the first from like 1998 to 2003. And 
even though I forgave Tony and I think peeled off that first layer, I didn't have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. My fo- my forgiving Tony was for myself. So I could open up space in my heart to truly do the work of the foundation and yes. honor my brother. And so he was not someone that was in my psyche, I guess, so much. I didn't wish him any ill will. Um, I didn't hold any like anger or resentment for him anymore. But I had no desire to have a relationship with him. You know, I just kept doing the work and serving kids and serving my brother. And I just, I healed more and I healed more. And I pulled up, I peeled off more layers of empathy, more layers of compassion. And then, you know, I left the foundation for almost 10 plus years. Um, Staff, um, I stayed involved with the board, but, you know, I got married. I had three kids. I was really (laughs) focused on my family. Um, mm-hmm. And then I went through like a, a really painful divorce and it, that, 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 that experience <laughs> fueled me back into TKF. Oh, like, wow. I was going through my divorce and the TKF, TKF was like, will you come back and take the helm again? And oh. um, it was one of those moments in my life where I was like, what, what? No, I can't come back. Like I'm going through one of the most painful things in, in my life. And I had a mentor tell me, um, maybe that's why you need to go back, you know? So oh my gosh. <laughs> I think um, TKF saved me in so many ways. I think I was able to pour my heart and soul into something that I loved and it, it opened for me to meet Tony. So, you know, in 2015, I met Tony for the first time uh, after 20 years, I went Whoa. to prison, met him for the first time and fast forward to this moment, he's probably, he's one of the most important people in my life. You know, he's my, he's my soul brother. And I advocated, you know, three years before his parole hearing for him to be released. Mm -hmm. And I just, but I think with Tony, when he was really, we, we stay true to that. Okay. How do we first ensure Tony gets out? Because that was a big goal. Once he's out, how do we support him? Um, in his journey, being outside the system, someone that's been in the system from, you know, from 14 to 38. um, How do you support that person back in? And so, you know, that's been an important part for our family and for the organization and that, and now he gets to kind of come back and help heal the community that I think was so harmed when this happened. And he can be so everything we do with TKS is part of our RJ journey because it's all part of us healing community. Oh my goodness. Your family story and Tony, because now he's extended family and plus extended family. It is again, the words just, just really there's, yeah, it, it's so beautiful in its, you know, even in its sadness and grief and None of you would sign have signed up for this. None of why would you? It makes no sense. And yet you've taken that grief and you're turning it into so much good, good for Tony, which is huge, and then modeling that to everyone else. But now the extra added layer of trying to get those kids at those formative years to understand, well, there's actually another way 
a different way. And, you know, I think we would both say a better way of dealing with like emotions or conflict or all of that. And, and I like the fact that your organization, you're not just looking at the restorative justice side, which is kind of after the fact in a way, it's really, no, let's get the kids before they're even there, before they're at that place. Let's get them before then. Because you do a lot with, with I, I can't remember what your program is about peace, but you have a, and then you have a conflict resolution program too, right? Or what are the, well, tell us what the four programs are called as yeah. we wrap up here. So we have an, an assembly-based program, which is like a 60-minute program that really has the story at the core, but really talks about the importance of choices um, and the importance of making sure that we ha- we deal with our anger in healthy ways. And that, you know, an eye for an eye, right, what Mahatma Gandhi says will make the whole world blind. So how do we, you know, how do we, um, how do we see um, forgiveness and second chances and grace and build empathy um, as a way um, to like deal with harm or conflict that's happened, you know, mm-hmm. so really planting those seeds and then the importance of support, like they don't walk this alone, you know, um, there's people that care, you know, we care, we're here because we care, we love you, we care, we, we don't want you to go down this path, you know, so that kind of plants the seed and it's um, oftentimes, you know, it's Azim and Plath on stage together or me mm. and Tony on stage together. So they kind of see this like live example that it is possible to transcend, you know, the worst thing you've done or transcend the most painful thing that's happened to you and come together for like the, the, the greater good, right. Right. Um, For the greater good to see humanity in each other always. Right. And so it's kind of planting that seed. And then it moves into a, we've created a 10 session curriculum um, developed for fifth through ninth grade that mm. really takes these pieces of the assembly, but really break it down into lessons for kids to give them the tools that they need to really acknowledge their feelings, process their feelings, you know, understand that their needs and feelings and behaviors are all connected. Um, oh, yes. And which is always a big aha moment for them, you know, and so sometimes we make poor choices or we act out in harmful ways to others and ourselves because we're hurting, you know, and hurt people hurt people, right? So if we can like have that be at our core and our goal is to help kids move through that piece of healing within themselves and give them like the right tools and skills that they need to manage the, the, manage life, you know, life is, is not even healed, right. you know, there's ups and downs and pain and sorrow and conflict and external circumstances that they did not choose, you know, so how do they handle that um, and learn to kind of find that peace within themselves? And so that usually then leads to us launching, we do launch peace clubs at school. Oh, and so, that's right. That's yep. right. Yes. And it's it's very leadership focused, you know, so you have young people that may have been kind of going down a, um, a tough path, a destructive path, but they have these amazing leadership skills and they're mm. smart and they sometimes um, rally people around doing wrong. Um, and once they realize why they're doing that and that they could do the same thing and rally people around affecting change, mm. um, helping to, to dismantle some of the inequities, 
dismantle some of the systems in their communities and schools that are not serving them to be change agents, peace oh. builders, um, is really like why we wake up at UCF, mm. you know, mm. I think in so many ways. And so, um, and then we have an individual mentoring program. So we also place mentors on school campuses to work with students more individually and more holistically. Like, let's, what, let's look at what's going on at home. Let's look at what's going on in the classroom, you know, with a very restorative lens. So restorative is really around when something happens or there's a behavior. Um, the, the first question is, what happened? <laughs> you know, right. Like, and how did that make you feel? And what needs to happen to make things okay? You know, and oftentimes it's as not simple, but it's as um, informative to, for kids to say, I slept on the floor all night. Um, mm. I didn't have breakfast this morning. Um, yeah. I have anxiety about, you know, my parents losing their job. You know, kids don't behave just because they want to upset their teacher. Right. You know, and we don't ask enough questions around why. And we don't think about how do I pull you up out of this situation and help you be okay so you can go back into the, that class and get the knowledge that you need, you know? So um, that's, you know... Then, so those are our core programs. And then we developed a parenting program with the Greater Good Science Center out of Berkeley. So we have a restorative parenting program that also gives parents a different lens to parent with. um, Because um, sometimes we think about discipline as punishment, but really discipline is growth, right? Yeah. This, this discipline is an opportunity for growth. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And that's what, what restorative is, is really about. You know, how do we how do we evolve? How do we grow? How do we strengthen our our family bonds? How do we lean in and not push out? Um, oh my goodness, this is just just so much. Uh, there's so much marvel at what you all are doing, and I don't understand why every school district across the nation is not making this, I don't want to say mandatory in a bad way, but folding it into the essential core curriculum, right? I mean, it it makes perfect sense to me. I'd rather that my child or children learn these things than something else that they're never really even going to need later in life because that's not their particular direction. I mean, I'm all for a well-rounded education for sure, but why not have this, which is a real life component that they will need no matter what they do and who, who they are, why not be able to rely on that as part of the foundation? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one thing that we're really advocating for. I mean, I think TKF kind of has this, you know, our program bucket, our direct programming, what we do kind of, especially within San Diego County, like, you know, we have mentors in schools, we're teaching curriculum in classes, you know, we have our training end. So we train teams outside of San Diego County to implement our programming. So we have that piece of it. But then, you know, we have our advocacy piece around um, social emotional learning integration and why it's so important that it's not considered an add-on. Right. You know, it's like, it, it has to be part of the core curriculum. Yes. It has to be part of the um, mental hygiene that kids need. It has to be like integrated 
because, you know, kids are living in very different times than we grew up in or we lived in. And I think, you know, we're living in such a tough climate in our country right now as well. And so this piece is really crucial um, for young people and so needed. I mean, they kept coming back from the pandemic with anxiety, you Mm. know, anxiety, social isolation, depression, you know, they're academically challenged because they missed, you know, two, sometimes two full years of in-person school and, and that's where you really see the inequity gaps because a lot of young people didn't have the same access. Yes. You know, so the access was not the same. And so mm. when the access is not the same, you know, you have young people coming back with very different levels academically within the same grade or grades. And those are those are challenges for, for young people. They feel a sense of worthlessness. Um, uh, they start to develop a lack of confidence within themselves. They feel like they're, they're, they're not smart. And, you know, they, they go through all this negative chatter and it spirals them down into some really deep holes. And so I think this social emotional piece is so crucial. Well, I am going to continue obviously to support TKF. I, I not only appreciate and value this your, the story, which is more than a story, it's it's a reality of what your family went through. And then, of course, the way that you've really let that fuel kind of what you learn from that experience and how you want it to be in the world. You are actually living that. You are doing that. You are being that. And for that, I, I thank you. You have my continued support for sure. Thank you for taking this time to come on the show and let us know about you and uh, about the work that your family is doing and Tony is doing and plus is doing. I think you you feel like they're all family, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's a miracle. Really. I I think it's a miracle. All that has, all that has gone on in your brother's name. And I, I have no doubt that he somewhere somehow knows of this goodness and is beyond delighted and joyous over the work that you all are doing in his name. I, I, I just think it's, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. (laughs) I'm a huge fan. (laughs) We appreciate your support so much. Thank you. Well, you got it for highlighting our work and yes, it's, being, it is, inviting me to like sit here and chat with you. It's, it's my so pleasure. Nice. It's an honor to know of your story and to, uh, you know, share it with others. And I do, I, I not even, you know, on this platform, but like my father this morning, I was, he was here for, you know, celebrate his birthday. And I was telling him, I, I get to have this conversation later today with Tazreen and let me explain to you all of that and what that means. And I told the story and I got teary eyed and I was like, I love the work they do. So yeah, I'm definitely a mouthpiece for what you guys are doing. Thank you. So You're welcome. Much. All right. Well, I'll get thank this you. all together and I'll let you know when it's out. Yes, we'll share it too. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you, Tazreen. Thank you so much. Okay. okay. And may you continue to do wonderful, amazing, mighty things in his name. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. All right. Chat okay. with you later. Bye. Bye. TKF seeks to help the youth find different and better ways to cope with feelings that lead to choices that aren't always good. 
She knows firsthand the impact this can have on a family. Isn't it something that immeasurable goodness can come from such profound tragedy? I applaud the healing, restoration, and the work done here. I hope one day there will be a larger awakening to consider this model essential learning for the wellness of our community. Thank you, TKF, for all you do. In Tarek's name. The Unabashed You website has a page for each guest filled with photos, quotes, and a blog with embedded audio at unabashedyou.com. You can find the show on other podcast platforms. Want to lend your support and encouragement? We invite you to subscribe, follow, rate, review, and share. On Instagram and Facebook, you can find us under Unabashed You. If you want to connect, the email is unabashedyou at gmail.com for questions, comments, and anything else. If you want to be part of our weekly emailing list highlighting the week's episode, give us a shout. We'd be happy to add you, and your info will never be shared. Website visits, social media, and word of mouth in sharing these episodes makes us discoverable, so thanks for your support there. We want these conversations to help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way. Be encouraged as you continue to listen, read, and be inspired. And now our blessing. Thank you for Tarek. Although his life was not nearly as long as we'd like, he bears a legacy of forgiveness and healing. May we want that. May we seek peace. Help us to restore all that is unnecessarily lost by choosing grace, for there we will find healing. Amen. Now go be unabashed. Be you.